I invite you to turn to the book of Revelation, chapter 19, as we look at the wedding of the Lamb this morning, Revelation chapter 19, I'm going to read verses 1 through 9. After these things, I heard something like a loud voice of a great multitude in heaven saying, Hallelujah, salvation and glory and power belong to our God. Because his judgments are true and righteous, for he has judged the great harlot who was corrupting the earth with her immorality. And he has avenged the blood of his bond servants on her. And a second time they said, Hallelujah, her smoke rises up forever and ever. And the 24 elders and the four living creatures fell down and worshiped God who sits on the throne saying, Amen, Hallelujah. And a voice came from the throne saying, Give praise to our God, all you his bond servants, you who fear him, the small and the great. Then I heard something like the voice of a great multitude, and like the sound of many waters, and like the sound of mighty peals of thunder, saying, Hallelujah, for the Lord our God, the Almighty, reigns. Let us rejoice and be glad and give the glory to him, for the marriage of the Lamb has come, and his bride has made herself ready. It was given to her to clothe herself in fine linen, bright and clean, for the fine linen is the righteous acts of the saints. Then he said to me, Write, Blessed are those who are invited to the marriage supper of the Lamb. And he said to me, These are the true words of God. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the privilege to open your word today. I thank you for that great event, the marriage supper of the Lamb. And Lord, we await that day. We thank you, Lord Jesus, that you are coming again and you will claim your bride as your own. Lord, take this word now. Use it to encourage, to strengthen us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. What's the most memorable wedding that you have ever attended? If you're sitting next to your spouse, you better say it was your wedding if you know it's good for you. But other than that, what would it be? What would be the, the most memorable wedding that you have ever attended? I've done a lot of weddings in my ministry, and I think of a wedding I had uh, several years ago that I, I will never forget. A couple I had counseled with that decided to end their marriage relationship, and we grieved over that, and then finally one day, that marriage was restored. And so we had a wedding, a remarriage of that couple. It was really a, a, a special day. Another thing that, that, that makes me remember that wedding is whenever I have a wedding with a couple and it comes to the, the ring part of the ceremony, exchange of rings, uh, there's a part of that ceremony that says, receive this ring as a pledge and as a token of wedded love and faithfulness. And so I usually ask the couple, do you want me to say this? Do you want me to, uh, you repeat it after me? Or do you want to memorize it? And it seems like most couples say, oh, you just say it. We'll, we'll, be, we'll be so nervous. So that's what we agreed. And so we got to that point in the wedding. And I gave the ring of the groom to the bride. And I said, uh, uh, place this finger, a ring on the fourth finger of her left hand. And as he did that, then I started saying, Receive this ring as a pledge and as a token of wedded love and faithfulness. Well, the groom, he started saying it after I was done, but all he said was this. 
receive this ring as a wedge. And I'm sitting there, a wedge? What's a wedge? I should have just laughed because I was fighting laughter the whole rest of that wedding service. And as we got out into the entryway of the church, I asked the groom, I said, what's a wedge? He just put his head down and and shook. (laughs) Well, that was a memorable wedding. But the wedding that will be the most memorable by far is the wedding that we look at today, the, the marriage of the Lamb. And there are four reasons that I would note in this section as to why this will be the, the most memorable wedding. First of all, at the wedding of the Lamb, the worship will be absolutely wonderful. One of the highlights of our annual Christmas concert at the Free Lutheran Bible School is the singing of the Hallelujah Chorus. And if you've been there, you, you know what I'm talking about. The, the choir is, is, is large because you have Bible college students and then visitors for that concert standing up there singing. The volume is, is wonderful. Everyone is standing. The acoustics in the building are wonderful. What a time of worship. The hallelujah chorus. When the people of God gather for the wedding of the Lamb, the worship will be wonderful and it will include what I call heaven's hallelujah chorus. And we see it in the first six verses of this chapter where we hear the uh, worship hallelujah uh, at least four times. And so the people at the wedding of the Lamb, they're not just going to sit there and watch like most people do at a wedding. They're going to open their mouths and worship. It's going to be a hallelujah meeting with a few amens. That sounds good, doesn't it? Sounds wonderful. It's going to be a wonderful time of worship because the volume in that It's going to be breathtaking. Uh, John says, After these things I heard something like a loud voice of a great multitude in heaven saying, Hallelujah! Salvation and glory and power belong to our God. You jump down to verse 6. Then I heard something like the voice of a great multitude, like the sound of many waters, and like the sound of mighty peals of thunder saying, Hallelujah! For the Lord our God, the Almighty reigns. Notice how John is is trying to describe what he hears in a way that we could understand. So he says, I heard something like this. How do you put a a heavenly vision into words that we could understand? That's what John is trying to do as he he, uh, uh, shares this, what he sees. I remember when we moved from the gymnasium here into this uh, sanctuary, there was a significant increase in the volume of our singing, and it was absolutely wonderful. There was a young man who was uh, part of the worship team, uh, I don't know if it was the first Sunday or right after that, and he said, I didn't know that our congregation could sing. <laughs> when we're in the gym, you know, it, the, the the volume just disappeared up into the, the ceiling, but here you could actually hear people sing. A wonderful a wonderful thing. I'm not sure if the volume was breathtaking like we will see at the marriage of the Lamb, but it, it was great. And another reason it's going to be a wonderful time of worship is because the wedding of the Lamb is really a victory celebration. Those in heaven are saying hallelujah because God has judged the great harlot who was corrupting the earth with her immorality, and he has avenged the blood of his bondservants on her. 
You see, John tells us here who our enemy is. He describes the enemy of God's people as the great harlot. This is a symbol of those who are unfaithful to the true and living God. They have committed spiritual adultery by worshiping false gods in the place of the true God. And not only that, but we see how she has corrupted the earth with her immorality. She was leading others to commit spiritual adultery like she did. And if you did not follow her, then, well, there's no tolerance for those who don't worship the great harlot. And so martyrs, people will die for their faith. And so in his righteous judgment, God is going to avenge the blood of his bondservants on her. This is why the bondservants of God are invited to praise him. Verse 5, a voice came from the throne saying, Give praise to our God, all you bondservants, you who fear him, the small and the great. Then I heard something like the voice of a great multitude and like the sound of many waters and like the sound of mighty peals of thunder saying, Hallelujah, for the Lord our God, the Almighty, reigns. At the wedding of the Lamb, the worship will be wonderful. It will be greater than anything you have ever heard before. (laughs) What a day that will be. That will be the most memorable wedding ever. Notice secondly, at the wedding of the Lamb, the bride, the bride's going to be beautiful. Verse 7 says, Let us rejoice and be glad and give the glory to him, for the marriage of the Lamb has come, and his bride has made herself ready. It was given to her to clothe herself in fine linen, bright and clean, for the fine linen is the righteous acts of the saints. I've done a lot of weddings over the years of my ministry, and I have never seen a bride that wasn't beautiful. Never. And there's a reason for this. They spend a lot of time getting ready, don't they? I'm not just talking about the wedding day. How many brides spend weeks and maybe months dieting and exercise so when they get in that wedding gown, they look wonderful? How many brides spend hours and hours looking for that perfect wedding gown? And how about getting their nails manicured and their hair all fixed up and I don't know how many layers of makeup that brides put on, but it, it's obvious the preparation works because I get to watch that bride come down the aisle and I watch the groom. Well, you guys are watching the bride, but I watch the groom. And I watch the look on his face as he sees that beautiful bride of his coming down the aisle. <laughs> he looks at her and says, Sweet, this woman is Beautiful, and she is going to be my wife. Wow. Now, as the bride of Christ, we're in the process of getting ready for our wedding day. Think of it. It's a process that starts when we are saved, when we come to know Jesus. And it's a process that will continue until the day that Jesus comes again, the wedding day. You see, when we are saved, the Bible says that we are engaged to Jesus. This is the picture we're given in Scripture, 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 2. Paul says, For I am jealous with a godly jealousy, for I betrothed you to one husband, 
so that to Christ I might present you as a pure virgin. And when we are engaged to Jesus, he gives us his pledge that he's committed to us. Ephesians 1, 13 and 14 says, In him you also, after listening to the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation, having also believed, you were sealed in him with the Holy Spirit of promise, who is given as a pledge of our inheritance. Second Corinthians 1, 21 and 22, Paul says, Now he who establishes us with you in Christ and anointed us as God, who has also sealed us and gave us the Spirit in our hearts as a pledge. So the Holy Spirit who is given to us is our pledge from Jesus that he will come again to make us his bride. We could compare that to a wedding ring. When I gave my wife, my bride, her engagement ring, That was a sign that I was pledged to her, that she belonged to me. And when other guys saw her hand and saw that engagement ring on her hand, that said to them that this woman is claimed, that someone is pledged to her. That's what Jesus does when we come to know him as our Savior. He gives us the Holy Spirit as a pledge, as his commitment to us, that one day we will enter into that marriage. So salvation is where the process of getting ready for our wedding day begins, but then it continues because that process of salvation results in in what we call sanctification. God sanctifies us, prepares us for that day that we meet Jesus. And he does that through his word. Ephesians 5, 25, husbands, Love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself up for her so that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word that he might present to himself the church in all her glory, having no spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she would be holy and blameless." No matter who we are, we all have things in our lives that that need to change, don't we? There are thoughts and attitudes and actions and reactions and ways of talking and living that aren't pleasing to God. And part of getting ready for our wedding is the ongoing work of sanctification. God loves us just the way we are. But remember, he loves us too much to let us stay that way. And so there's that process of of sanctification, but that's not all. The final part of getting ready for our wedding day takes place when Jesus comes again. In that day, we will be glorified. We will be given a new body. We'll become like Jesus. We will never struggle with sin again. That is a glorious transformation that will take place in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, when Jesus Christ comes again. A long time ago, there was a country fellow who came to town. He'd never seen an elevator before. So he and his son watched as his wife was out shopping. Not surprising. The door opened and he watched a decrepit old woman enter into the elevator. And then a few minutes later, the door opened and a beautiful woman walked out of that elevator. His eyes got as big as saucers 
And then he said to his boy, son, you stay right here. I'm going to get your mother and I'm going to run her through that thing. (laughs) He thought that old decrepit woman had been transformed just by going through that elevator. That's what it's going to be like for every believer when Jesus comes again. We're going to be changed in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, and God is the one who is going to see that that takes place. Notice how we see that in verse 8. Verse 8 says, It was given to her, the bride, it was given to her to clothe herself in fine linen, bright and clean, for the fine linen is the righteous acts of the saints. So God is the one who makes us his beautiful bride. He saves us. He sanctifies us. He glorifies us. Is Jesus getting you ready for that day? At the wedding of the Lamb, the bride will be beautiful. But then third, at the wedding of the Lamb, the guests will be glad. There will be rejoicing at that wedding. I'll never forget the day when each of our four daughters were married. I was so thankful that God had brought into their lives uh, young men that loved the Lord and loved them. And I can still remember walking down that aisle and and joyfully uh, giving my daughters away. Maybe that doesn't sound very good, but you know what I mean? Offering them to be married to that strapping young man who, who, who uh, asked them to, to marry our daughter. But there's also gladness after the wedding ceremony is over. Weddings are stressful. Don't that? They are stressful. For pastors, I mean, you gotta, everything's gotta be arranged, just perfect, you know, and, and finally when the wedding is done, it's over, you can relax and eat, right? The supper, the food, that's the relaxing time. The wedding of the lamb is gonna be a joyful time because There's going to be food. At least I assume that because it's called a supper. Verse 9, then he said to me, write, blessed are those who are invited to the marriage supper of the Lamb. And he said to me, these are the true words of God. I have no idea what we will eat there. I'm sure it will be good. But the fellowship Think of the fellowship at that meal, what it will be like. Think of what it will be like to meet those, reunited with those who love the Lord that have gone on before us. Think of meeting my mom and dad. I've often wondered if my dad's going to greet me with a yodel. Yodelehi. You can tell I didn't get that gift. Think of what it would be like to meet some of those whom we read about in Scripture. Moses. David. Paul, John, uh, is, there, is there someone that you would really like to meet? Uh, someone you'd like to ask a few questions, maybe someone like, like Job. But most important is the fact that Jesus will be there. And it will be a blessed time to see him face to face. I think what Paul says in Philippians 1, for me to live is Christ To die is gain, but if I'm to live on in the flesh, this will mean fruitful labor for me. I don't know which to choose. But I am hard-pressed in both directions, having the desire to depart and be with Christ, for that is very much better. Think of that. To see Jesus face to face. 
I can only imagine what that day will be like. And when we meditate on that and when we live in light of that day, it'll make a difference in how we live, knowing what's in store for us in the future. I love what Richard Lenski says about this. He says, the verdict certainly stands that they are blessed who finally sit down at the wedding supper of the Lamb. But this vision is intended for us who are still on earth already now and not only at the coming of Jesus we are blessed as they who have been invited to the supper. It's a little bit like a wife knowing that her husband's taking her out for supper that night. You got the whole day to look forward to it, right? Rejoicing in what what lies ahead. That's what it's like when we we think of the day that Jesus comes again. It it makes a difference in how we live now. We rejoice. We live in light of that fact. What a day that will be. At the wedding of the Lamb, the guests will be glad. But then finally notice at the wedding of the Lamb, God will be glorified. The weddings that take place in our country today, Think of it, they're clearly focused on the bride, aren't they? The bride, she's the only one that wears this long gown, right? Nobody else, just the bride. When she walks down the aisle, what happens? Everybody stands up for the bride. When planning the wedding, the groom says, whatever you think, dear, it's your day. The father of the bride as one man said, keeps his wallet open and his mouth closed. It's her big day. That's what it's like in in our culture. The wedding that John describes here in our text is clearly different. Although the bride is beautiful, the focus of this wedding isn't on the bride, is it? The focus is on the Lord. This wedding is called the marriage of the Lamb. Not the marriage of the bride, even though it's that too. It's called the marriage of the Lamb. And God is the one who is to receive the glory for this marriage. Verse 8 says, let us rejoice and be glad and give the glory to him. Give the glory to him. That's the purpose of this wedding feast. It's to give glory to God. That makes sense, doesn't it? Because... God is the one who who made it all possible. God is the one who sent his son to uh, pay the price that, that we might know him. God is the one who sent his spirit so that he might draw us to Jesus. God is the one who gave us his word that that, that word might show us our need for a savior and, and point us to Jesus. God is the one who clothes us with his righteousness as we saw in our text. The hymn writer says, to God be the glory, great things he has done. As I conclude my message today, I need to ask you, are are you the bride of Christ? Have you put your trust in Jesus? Have you said to Jesus, I do? The invitation he's given to you. I remember the day I got married, July 14th, 1979. And I stood before the altar there at St. Paul's Lutheran Church in Cloquet, Minnesota. My father was the one who, who married my wife and I. And he asked me first if I would take Judy Elaine Moan to be my wife. I said, I do. 
I was not married until my father asked my wife to be, do you take Peter John Franz to be your husband? I was wondering what she was going to say. No, not really. She said, I do. When Jesus died on the cross, it's as if he said to us, I do. I want you to be my child. And when the call of God comes to us, then our response needs to be, yes, Lord, I do. I receive you. And if that has taken place in your life, if you've received Jesus, you have that promise, you have that assurance, that blessed assurance of being a part of this wonderful marriage supper of the Lamb. What a glorious day it will be. And if you don't know Jesus, he invites you to come to him today. He paid the price on the cross for your sins. He died and suffered, suffered and died in your place. Won't you receive him? Repent of your sins. Put your trust in the lamb who takes away the sin of the world. And you will be able to look forward with great joy to that day that Jesus comes again. Let's pray. Father in heaven, thank you for the wonderful celebration of the marriage supper of the Lamb. There will be no more greater memorable wedding than that wedding when the Lamb of God takes his bride, the church. And we rejoice in that privilege, Lord, to be a part of that celebration. Lord, do your work in our lives as we hear your word this day for the glory and the praise of Jesus Christ, for we pray in his name.